Yo, 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 welcome into another edition of the Money Man Prediction Podcast, where money is made every podcast. It's your boy, Eddie Too Rich, and I'm here to go over all the game action from last night and also this upcoming action that's coming up on Sunday for the NFL slate. And so I'm basically going to go over my biggest takeaways of each game and give you a lean and then give you a mega lock that you could lock in. And so I'm going to touch on each game, basically, and let you know exactly how I'm feeling. So let's get started. So let's start off with that last night game of the Rams versus Bills. The Bills won 31-10. It's pretty much a blowout after the third quarter, I believe, basically. It was just, it was just the Rams could not move the ball downfield. Stafford looks like looked like crap. I don't know if that elbow injury was really as serious as they played it off, but they tried to downplay it. But I don't know what's wrong with Stafford. I mean, the only thing that was right about him was that he was hitting Cooper Cup, which is, I got to say, is definitely the best fantasy investment I've probably ever made in my life so far. Drafting Cooper Cup in so many leagues because it's just he he's damn near a quarterback. He puts up quarterback numbers. Like I'm going against I got went against Josh Allen in like two leagues that I had. And, you know, Josh Allen almost put up like forty points or forty points to some standard leagues. And he and Cooper Cup literally kept up with him. Just it's it's amazing how good he is. And even Stafford, even if Stafford had a shitty game, Cooper Cup had a great game, so but still, the Bills end up living up to their little Super Bowl hype that they come in with the preseason. Josh Allen looks okay. He had a couple, you know, picks, but the picks were misleading because both both of the times there was, it came off the receiver's hands or the DB just snatched it and said, give it to me, and just ran off with it. So, I mean, it's not his fault, a lot of those picks, but still, it's just, I mean, his development is crazy. You would think he would lose a step without Dayball, and he is launching the ball downfield. He's checking down. He is running whenever he needs to for first downs, being aggressive, and that's when Josh Allen is unstoppable. When you when he's able to run out the pocket and use his frame and launch the ball downfield, like there was a couple times where he had Gabe Davis just out of the blue, and I'm like, how is Gabe Davis so open on this defense? Like, the Rams, I don't I don't know if I should overreact to this or what, but, like, the Rams, I don't know. They, they really look bad. Like, the whole defense looks like they lost a step. Like, Ramsey getting burnt. Like, he gave up over 100 yards. I don't think he has in a long time. And he really looked really bad. Diggs made him look terrible. And Wagner, he he looks like he's getting there a step late. Like literally, he got dunked on by Josh Allen in the in the red zone, on the goal line, and it was I mean it was it was beautiful for Bills fans I feel like, but Rams fans were sad because obviously I mean you're like oh Bobby Wagner usually makes that makes that tackle in field, but he just got deboed and bullied into the end zone. So I mean. I don't know what to say about the Rams. We're not going to overreact. McVay is still a great coach. This is his first time under 500. So he's finally facing adversity, which might be good for him. So you never know what this could do for the Rams. And, you know, maybe they'll, they'll 
they'll, they'll make an effort to sign Odell Beckham because, I mean, that offense is – if it's not Cooper Cup engine, like, in that train, then they need they, – they, I don't know. They might need more weapons, like the Tutu Atwells, the um, – the Tutu Atwells and the Higbees just not really performing as as good as they should. I mean, these are these are players. I understand Van Jefferson is out. Where was Allen Robinson last night? Like he came from the Bears. You know, you would expect him to have a you know be a part of the game plan, be a featured part of the game plan, and he got about like he only got a couple targets. I mean, I get that it's Cooper Cup's team. But his fucking receiving yard was like over sixty. So if you put the under sixty on that, you would have you would have super cashed without no problem. So I don't know. It's really it's really hard to really predict the Rams backfield. And then Henderson is just gonna Henderson led the team in in carries and it was just like everybody was I know a lot of people that started Cam Makers thinking that he was gonna be a sleeper thinking he was going to be that guy in the backfield. And obviously, I don't know. He's coming off the injury, but he didn't get he didn't really get that many touches or didn't really do much at all. So I really think that, you know, long term, I would look at Henderson as an option in the backfield because, I mean, he did get a lot of touches, and that's what you want in fantasy. So if you're a fantasy listener, if Henderson's still available in your leagues, there's a couple leagues that I know of. That has him available, even though he might be, I think he's over like almost 80%. So if you go grab him, I would take him up, especially if you have Cam Makers and you're disappointed in his performance last night. I don't, I mean, Henderson just looks like he's a little bit faster off the ball. Cam Makers made like a good play where Stafford threw the ball like seven yards behind the line and made it back to the line of scrimmage and got a gain of zero. But I just feel like, I still feel like long-term Henderson should run that backfield and Cam Makers would be a more supporting role because since he can't stay healthy for a whole season. Now, let's go ahead and cover the slate. Let's see what my biggest takeaways from the game is and go from there. So first game on the board is going to be New Orleans versus Atlanta. Atlanta is the home dog. They are plus five and a half. Currently, I use Action Sports, so shout out to Action. Verified on there, so follow me, 82Rich, if you want to get my exclusive picks, my little leans. I put I post a lot of my leans for the this, for the NFL season, and I also do, like, MLB sometimes, WNBA, you know, things like that. So I'm very versatile, so it's not just NFL that I do, but let's get back to the New Orleans and Falcons game. So I feel like the with this game, Michael Thomas is finally returning. Some takeaways. Michael Thomas is returning for the Saints. The Saints got rid of Chauncey Garter Johnson and gave him to the Eagles. So but the Saints got a lot of a lot of depth at that D B position. And so they had a lot of young guys that they wanted to play. So I mean, let's see what's going on. Uh Atlanta drafted Drake London. The new QB is Marcus Mariota, the red zone goat, damn near. And so I feel like with this game coming in, James is coming back off that injury. And I think it's, I mean, it's going to be a real, I feel like it's going to be a real close divisional game. 
it's gonna be a real ugly game because it's really Jameis is like, you know, he he played in the preseason for a, a spurt, but this is really his first action since coming back from this injury, and so even with the high powered offense, adding juice, adding Olave to the New Orleans Saints offense, that defense is very potent, and they are the ones that have Tom Brady's number. So literally in that division, the Saints have been beating the heck out of the Bucks every every time they played. Like they really have a piece of real estate in Tom Brady this uh, these past couple of years since he's been in the uh, NFC South. So with that being said, I'm leaning towards taking Saints money line and <clears throat> leaning towards taking Saints because I feel like they have a more complete team. They're ready to win. And even if Jameis, you know, comes in, throws a throws like a little pick six or anything, their team is balanced enough to be able to overcome it. You still have Kamara in the backfield. You got Mark Ingram backing them up. So you have the two headed monster mixed with those just the receivers. They should they should be an electric offense. And it's it's all up to Jameis. Jameis could low key be a sleeper to win the MVP for sure. If not, comeback player of the year. If he decides to go off and end up, you know, throwing, you know, let's say if he throws like 30 touchdowns and, you know, 20 interceptions because he is a he is a gambler. So <laughs> just like that is no pun intended. But I would say that, you know, his his ability to take risk, especially with the, this offense being usually being so vanilla with Drew Brees, just check down to Mike Thomas. Check down to Mike Thomas. Hopefully we get some more deep ball, especially with Olave. And, you know, there's other receiving options. And I feel like the Saints would be too much for the Falcons. The Falcons got, you know, they got two great corners. Basically, they got two Ferraris at corner. And no, and they're just in the hood. You know what I'm saying? When somebody has a nice car in the hood, you get suspicious. You're like, what is he doing in the hood if he has a nice car? And so Atlanta got nice pieces around the roster, but their roster's not built up yet. Got a, they got a new coach, so it's it's just really we need to figure out what Atlanta is with Marcus Mariota and see if they're going to end up transitioning to Desmond Ritter towards the end of the year. And that's what we're looking for. Always looking for the bigger story out of each game. So when is Desmond Ritter going to come in? That is the question that We'll probably won't be answered until about like a couple podcasts, maybe middle of the season. But I think if Marcus Mariota wets the bed these first couple weeks, they'll be able to they'll be able to move on to Desmond Ritter. Because I mean this offense has good talent with Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Cordell Patterson. And they have a lot of depth. Damian Williams at running back. So it's not a bad offense. It's just they need the right person running that scheme. And so, yeah, I'm leaning toward the Saints this week in this matchup. All right, next game is going to be Baltimore versus the Jets. So we found out earlier in the week that Zach Wilson is going to be out all the way until the Pittsburgh game. So that's, I think it's about week four. So that's a takeaway. The Jets have had an electric offseason. They have had a great draft. They nailed the draft, especially their first four picks. And they have been, you know, they've been developing kind of well during the preseason. They beat my team 
his last second touchdown. So, I mean, I'm kind of still salty about that, but it's preseason, so I can't be mad. But the Jets are a seven-point dog at home versus the Ravens. The only talk about the Ravens has been Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. When is he going to sign his big deal? Is the, are the Ravens going to play pay him? Are they going to treat him like Kirk Cousins, franchise tag his ass until they can't know more to see if he's durable or worth the franchise quarterback uh, contract? Because it seems like he wants to chase that Deshaun Watson number, which, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that because he is a unanimous MVP and, you know, accomplished more than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson literally was stat padding in Houston – he took his team to the playoffs, but he still was stat padding whenever they had bad years. Like, there's a four or five win team, and he almost had like 5,000 yards. So, I mean, honestly, I, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't really like stat padders like that, but Deshaun, I mean, Lamar Jackson deserves the money. He's a unique talent, he grew up in that system. And he was able to succeed with it and lead his team to the playoffs. He's won a lot of games. Last year, he was on a trajectory to win a lot of games. And then they ended up losing him due to injury. And I ended up losing him due to injury because of fantasy. It pissed me off. But look, it's a new year. And Lamar is going to come out motivated. He's been doubted, saying that he's not worth the contract. He's been an all season talking about why he doesn't deserve a contract. So what do you think he's going to do game one? Just like how the Bills have that motivation, that edge, after they, you know, gave up a game-tying field goal to the Chiefs with 13 seconds left and in forced overtime with them. It's just, it's that edge. I mean, when they came into that Rams game, they just ended up just beating them, beating their ass. Like, literally, you could tell that game meant more to them than the Rams. And so I feel like this game really means a lot to the Ravens, especially since they're going against, going against ex-quarterback Joe Flacco. I understand the trend with the, you know, the home dogs and stuff with the, you know, they do really good at home for the first week. But this in this situation, I would definitely take the Ravens just because the motivation factor. This, this game means a lot to Lamar. He's gonna. He wants to come out and prove that he is not a fluke. He's a mainstay in this league. He's an NFL superstar, and he deserves to get paid star money. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't franchise tag. I would shut him up now, because you see what them boys, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert's coming up for contracts. Like the quarterback market's off to be crazy, and I'm interested to see how it's gonna look in the next couple of years. But I'm leaning towards the Ravens in this game. So, next game, 49ers versus Chicago. The Trey Lance error has begun in San Francisco. That's fine. I mean, Trey Lance seems like he's going to be a great duel for that quarterback, and I'm not putting too much stock in those little games he came into last year, the little spot starts or, you know, coming in to get some game time, doing a little run plays and stuff. I, I mean, I'm ready to see how he looks. Kyle Shanahan definitely has one of the best offenses in the league. He's one of the best play callers in the league, if not the best, in my opinion. He has a lot of weapons. He's going into a system where the offensive line is great. 
We got adequate weapons, even though Kittle went down with a hamstring injury, I believe, this week, and he might sit out, but it's the Bears. If you can't fucking win versus the Bears, then you have a problem. You traded three first-round picks for this guy, and he is being questioned as, does he deserve to start? Jimmy Garoppolo staying? You know, now that Jimmy Garoppolo staying with the San Francisco 49ers, it makes it seem like, oh, Trey Lance hasn't performed well enough, obviously. So now he they ha- he has a quarterback, another quarterback on his shoulder, you know. And I would feel played too if I was Trey Lance. I mean, honestly, they're like, okay, this organization said they believe in me, they believe in me, but you're showing me something different. Actions speak louder than words, people. So there's obviously some doubt in Trey Lance if they're signing Jimmy G to a contract, even though Jimmy G, you know, he ended up having shoulder surgery late which caused him not to have a lot of a, a big market in this free agency. But I really don't know what team would invest in Jimmy G because it's like almost you're investing in. You see the you see the ceiling on him already. He could lead you to the, you know, the divisional round or to the conference championship, basically. He has led the 49ers to Super Bowl, but playing it short. So I feel like in the long run, Trey Lance should be have enough variance to take them over the top. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. It just depends on his growth. But that roster is ready to win now. And I and I from like a GM perspective, I get that. I would I would want to have the best backup quarterback in the league. And that's what the 49ers did. They had the best backup quarterback in the league in Jimmy G. And so just in case their investment goes wrong, you have a backup plan. So it's very smart of the organization. I'm glad that I'm actually glad that Trey Lance didn't win captain. Everybody's making a big story like, oh, he didn't win captaincy. And, you know, it was making it seem like he's just a bad leader. He doesn't have leadership quality. Like, it's his first, it's his first couple starts. Like, relax. If you're voted captain your first year, that should almost be a red flag saying, like, where the hell's your leadership in the locker room? If there's no vets that's stepping up and taking on that captaincy role, it doesn't have to just automatically be the quarterback all the time. You could have vocal leaders across the roster. But if your first-year quarterback that never started before, never played a game in the NFL, is already voted captain, obviously he has a red flag, honestly. So Chicago on the other side, not really much interesting. Justin Fields, seeing if he's going to sink or swim this year. It's a big year for him. Hopefully he ends up you know, putting putting on some numbers because that offense looks abysmal. The defense looks does not look like the midway monsters of back in the day. So I'm leaning towards San Francisco in this matchup. I feel like San Francisco definitely has the more complete roster. And regardless of Trey Lance's potential struggles or anything, this Chicago team is not good at all. I feel like Nick Bosa and those boys are going to run after Justin Fields like crazy and contain him. I mean, that's the key. If you if you can stop Justin Fields and just have him stay in the pocket, you're going to be really effective. Turn him into a pocket passer, not into a dual third quarterback. Because if you do, that's when Ohio State Justin Fields comes out and he starts doing his thing. So I'm leaning towards the San Francisco 49ers in this matchup. Chicago Bears don't have enough for him. Next matchup, Houston at Colts. Okay, so the Colts added Matt Ryan as their quarterback. 
They have Michael Pittman as their number one receiver now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor could be one of the best or not the best running back in the league. And so they're going against the Houston Texans. Houston Texans. The Davis Mill era is again happening again. And they have a new running back that everybody's talking about in Pierce. So that offense should be exciting and the consistency of Mr. Brandon Cooks, Mr. Underrated, I feel like. One of the most underrated receivers in the league, hands down. He keeps getting these thousand yards thousand yard receiving years and nobody's paying attention to him. Keeps sleeping on it because I was able to pick him up in like the tenth round of the draft almost. He kept sliding and I was like, Nobody doesn't want him. Okay, that's fine. I'll take him. I'll take a flyer on him. I mean, thousand yard receiver, you always want to do that. And so coming into this matchup, the Colts have won four out of the last five. They have blown them out 31 to 0, 31 to 3, the last two matchups last year. So, I mean, I don't really expect nothing out of this Houston, Texas team. I mean, I love that. I love that they're starting Mills and giving him an opportunity because I feel like he did well. I wish they would have did the same with the with the previous coach. I feel like him stepping into that role and, you know, developing Davis Mills into what he is right now. I feel like, you know, he should he should have a part in, you know, having to say, but I understand it's okay because regardless, the Colts are the more complete team. Darius Leonard in that defense, they added Gilmore. I'm I'm locking in the Colts. And I think I'm gonna take this is the one I'm gonna take Colts spread. I'll take the minus seven on this one because Houston Texans don't got enough. I don't care if they're at home or not, home dog or not. They just don't have enough for this Indianapolis Colts team. And Matt Ryan is out to prove that he's still an MVP-level quarterback and can perform. So he has a lot to prove. This team is ready to be a sleeper to win now because of both sides of the ball and their coach. So I'll go with the the Colts minus seven. All right, next game. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. So, Pittsburgh has had an interesting offseason. Everybody's waiting on picket season to start, but it will be Mr. Trubisky leading the Fighting Steelers versus the Bengals. Uh, Mr. Trubisky is coming into an offense where they have a lot of skills, positions, depth. So, it's Najee Harris. They got the Deontay Johnsons. Everybody's quote-unquote sleeper of the year. George Pickens and Claypool and they got you know they got a couple other rookie receivers like Calvin Austin and you know the list goes on and on they're really deep but the problem is is that they never they like since Big Ben has been falling off these last couple years they have not had competency at quarterback and this team you know Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in his career and I don't plan. I don't think that's going to change, regardless if Trubisky, Pickett, or Rudolph is in there. Because, like I said, Mike Tomlin. It don't matter who's at quarterback. He knows how to win games. His defense win games. I love the addition of Brian Flores to the coaching staff, helping Miles Miles Jack become a better linebacker and be more disciplined, be able to use the athleticism to you know shut off blocks and make bigger plays. Because, I mean, they already got a menace in T.J. Watt and Micah Fitzpatrick. 
So, I I mean, the Bengals are coming off of a Super Bowl year. They might have a Super Bowl hangover. They might come out motivated. We don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. There's a lot of reports saying that you know Joe Burrow hasn't really been practicing throughout the training camp, trying to recover. Chase is he gonna repeat this big season so he can elevate himself into that top five, top three conversation? Because he does have that big playability to where he is just he, he's he's almost a generational talent, if not already. So their offense, they added more, you know, offensive line pieces, which should help Joe Burrow have more time in the pocket to really pick apart these defenses with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and, you know, Joe Mixon running the ball. I feel like they have a complete team. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they look in this division, especially that Watson's gone. So it's really just the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Ravens division right now because I don't trust Jacoby Brissett, and I'll go into more detail about that later on in the in the podcast. But I'm leaning towards taking Mike Tomlin plus six and a half. I'm taking the spread because it's a raw raw Mike Tomlin moment. I feel like Mike Tomlin; these are the games that he lives for, especially especially at their off season where they're talking about. His quarterback situation, does he know what he's doing? Should he start picking? Should he start whoever? He wants to come out and shut people up. Especially after last year, he had a lot of embarrassing performances versus the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost 41-10 to last year and also 24-10. to So they were only able to score 10 points, and with that's with Big Ben. But I feel like he can coach up. Mitch Trubisky to be competent enough to use his legs and be able to move out the pocket and make those throws to the skills position. Literally, he could dip and dunk to his skills positions and they'll make a play for him. These receivers are electric. They're physical. They're able to make plays after the catch. So why don't you utilize that ability? I mean, especially if you have a mid quarterback, don't really know what to expect out of him. You just have you you just have to use use what you have around you, and sometimes you know the weapons make the quarterback, not the quarterback make the weapons. So we don't know what Trubisky we're gonna get. So I feel like I love the Pittsburgh Steelers regardless. I feel like they have motivation coming in. They really they really are inspired, and I feel like six and a half is too many points for this game. I feel like it's gonna be like a three point game almost, or. Pittsburgh might pull up the upset outright. You never know. But I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh in this matchup. Next matchup, Philly at Detroit. So Philly has had an offseason of it's, – it's been amazing. It's been amazing, honestly. I mean, as a Giants fan, really kind of pissed off about how, many, how their moves have corresponded into a great team. And looking at their roster, you know, with A.J. Brown coming in, now they added James Bradbury and uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the fold. I feel like their secondary is going to be really it's gonna be really good. With Slay and the boys in the secondary, I feel like him being an anchor, and he has a good two cor- a second corner on the other side of him. And then they also have safety help now. So, I definitely lean 
Well, let me talk about the Detroit Lions real quick. So the Detroit Lions is they still have Jared Goff at quarterback. They have a great offensive line. They have been secretly building up that offensive line to be very competent and good enough to block for golf. They drafted Jameson Williams. He's not going to be there until about, I think he's out for the first four games, still recovering from that title game injury. But once he's in in the fold with Omar St. Brown, they're going to be pretty scary. They already got DJ Chark. They have a lot of weapons, low-key. And TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, there's, they, they have a, a nice offense if you look at it. I mean, it's really it's really a sleeper. And then Dan Campbell is just a great energizer. Like, you almost want to run through a wall for him. Like, hard knocks, he was a hard knock star. And then <laughs> he's a hard knock star. And you can see that his energy is different. And even though they lost a lot of games last year, you could see that they were still in the fight a lot of the time because they would cover a spread late. They would, you know, make sure make sure that they score enough points to win the game versus, like, they shocked the Colts last year, I believe. No, they shocked the they – shocked, they shocked the Green Bay Packers last year in that last game. And I feel like that win motivated them in the off season. And so, you know, they're carrying over to year two, Dan Campbell. I think that this spread four plus four is right where it needs to be. Cause I feel like the Eagles will steal this game with a field goal. So I know it's ugly, but I'm leaning towards taking Detroit plus the four. I love their energy. Their energy is everything. And they have a good offensive line. Eagles have a good offensive line. So as long as they're able to protect golf and make them not look like a deer in headlights, golf can make the throws to their skills position and make sure that, you know, make sure that they're moving the ball downfield, moving the chains. Because at the end of the day, if you're able to establish Swift and get the play action, those Eagles corners are going to bite because they're th- those corners are very aggressive. And so if you get them to bite, you could catch St. Brown going deep. DJ Chark. It just depends on how good golf wants to be. And so I'm going to take a flyer on it. I feel like it's uh, ugly, especially with the trend I've been saying about home dogs. You got to take ugly dogs sometimes. And so this is an ugly dog. I'm taking the Detroit Lions. They're the hard knock sweethearts, but I'm going to go ahead and take them. I feel, I feel like this is a good pick. I feel like it's going to be a real close game. All right. Revenge season is upon us. Cleveland versus the Carolina Panthers. So, Baker Mayfield, biggest storylines. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland. I'm not going to keep going into that. But Baker Mayfield is on the other side, going against his old team that drafted him and, you know, pretty much groomed him, developed him into the quarterback he is today. And so, this spread has dropped to pick him, basically. And so it was at like one and a half, I think, for the Cleveland Browns. But apparently they're picking up steam. Uh, Jacoby Brissett starting for them versus Baker Mayfield. I really feel like this this Baker revenge game is is gonna is gonna go well. I mean, I feel like Baker's gonna put up good numbers. He's healthy. He has Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore on the outside. And if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, they're gonna be a problem. 
because Baker Mayfield is probably going to be the most competent quarterback the Panthers had since Cam Newton. And so, you know, this Sam Darnold shit, it, it didn't work, obviously, because if it worked, they wouldn't trade for Baker Mayfield, who is in the same draft class, which is insane. So I like I like the Baker edge. I mean, he released some shirts off the leash for one day, which I think was kind of weird. Not the leash, but versus the Browns. But anyway, um, I would I would say that the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule, this is his second year coming in, second, third year, I don't remember. But he would be able to, I feel like he's finally got players that fit his scheme. And I think Baker Mayfield is bought in. And he's going to come in and, and beat his team, beat his old team on the, I mean, at home. You know, he has home field advantage. The Browns don't have Watson. They've been going through turmoil all offseason, basically trying to talk, rip, you know, talk about their quarterback, having to answer questions. And I feel like that's going to take a toll on them. Because once you get on the field and you see, like, oh, Jacoby Brissett is, you know, throwing picks, doing this. And, you know, also the camp that J.C. Horn had, I would definitely lean towards taking Carolina in this matchup. Carolina's definitely has to have the better quarterback. They always want to take sometimes a better quarterback. And they have the more competent offense, I feel like, at this time. I mean, Cleveland only got Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Njoku. I mean, they're they're under one with weapons. And so I think that Carolina has better weapons, and I feel like they have a chance to win this game based off of that. All right, next matchup, New England at Miami. So, Mac Jones coming in, uh, he has, he lost Josh McDaniels. I feel like that's a huge loss because now they have Joe Judge and Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator, which Joe Judge was the former Giants coach. Matt Patricia was a former Lions coach. And they both failed as, and they're both not even, I think their respective fields are defense and special teams mostly. They have those backgrounds, but never on the offensive side of the ball. So I found it weird that Bill Belichick has them coaching the offense because it's almost like he's using them as a scapegoat if they, if this fails or whatever. And Miami, they're coming in with, the one of the biggest off seasons by adding Tyreek Hill with already Jalen Waddle, you added Cedric Wilson, and they have Tua. So this is the big, big year for Tua in his development. The new coach came in and added pieces that will help tailor his needs and be able to, you know, accommodate him to hopefully get some wins and throw the ball downfield. I mean, he don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick breathing down his neck no more. So He's able to go in there and say, this is my team. And so he has to go in there with that mindset. Like, this is Alabama. This is probably the most talented team he had in a long time. And so I would say that, you know, them being favorites right now is is pretty – I mean, it's pretty alarming to me. I mean, it's three and a half points to get the hook, too. It's 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 crazy. I don't, I don't even know what two is going to do. The only highlight they're really showing is that, to an underthrowing Tyreek Hill, and he has to adjust with his speed, and he didn't catch him in stride. So I got to see him throw the deep ball more before I start taking 
tour spreads or start investing money. It's not Alabama. He didn't have Nick Saban as his coach. So why should I why should I just auto lock Miami thinking that they oh, just because they got Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle, yada yada yada. It's still Bill Belichick. He has he still should deserve Gardner the respect of what he's accomplished. I mean, I don't care if Mac Jones doesn't have the the young, hot offensive coordinator who can scheme up different plays and do this, do that, or had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay. It's fucking Bill Belichick. He runs younger quarterbacks. He he's seen Tua before and knows exactly what Tua does. And so I really feel like <clears throat> I really feel like the Patriots spread is the way to go. Three and a half is too much. I feel like this game's gonna be a three point game or less. And so, you know, that's my projections. I think I'm gonna go with the I'm leaning towards the Patriots in this situation. Okay. Next game is Jacksonville at the Commanders. So Trevor Lawrence coming in, second year. He got a new coach, Doug Peterson. Shout out to your limb. <laughs> but yeah, so they're coming in. They added they spent the most in all season adding adding all these pieces like Evan Ingram, Kristen Kirk. And also they're getting their running back Travis Etienne back from injury. With James Robinson, that backfield is going to be really good. They added a couple pieces on that line to help protect Trevor Lawrence better. I like I like the I like the hire of the coach because I feel like he's definitely he's a championship winning coach. He develops quarterbacks well. And so I feel like Trevor Lawrence is gonna have a big year. This is gonna this might be his breakout season, low key, I feel like. And so Going to the other side, watch the Commandos. They had another another team with a turmoil offseason. They added Carson Wentz. And, you know, they had a pretty good draft with Jahad Dotson on the other side of Terry McLaurin. So Carson Wentz has a lot more options as far as as far as weapons, I, I feel like, compared to where he was with the Colts. And he did pretty well with the Colts. I mean, you throw only seven receptions and have over 20 touchdowns, I feel like that's impressive. And so a lot of people were hating on that, saying he wouldn't do enough. I understand that he lost his, like, meltdown and lost those last couple games to mess up the playoff hopes. But he's still a good quarterback. He's young. This is third team. So he needs to – this is probably his last opportunity to really have a starting opportunity, I feel like. Because if you keep bouncing around teams, bouncing around teams, that's not going to help your case to be a starter. You're just going to be a spot starter or backup. And so it's a big season for Carson Wentz. I hate that, you know, he's in the division. But, again, but, hey, I mean, we'll see what happens. So I'm leaning towards taking the Jags. I love, I love, I love them as a team that a potentially first to worst team. So this would be a game that they need to win if they're going to prove it this year, that they are able to make that leap, that big leap that they deserve. And Trevor Lawrence, I feel like I keep seeing that damn Gatorade commercial every fucking day. That back in the day when I was young, when I was a kid anymore. Like, okay, let's see what happens. Gatorade obviously believes in you after that shitty season. So I feel like 
Why shouldn't I believe in you? If Gatorade, a company like Gatorade is showing a quarterback who threw more, who threw a lot of picks and didn't look good at all in his rookie year, almost similar to how Peyton Manning was, I'm going to take, I'm going to buy stock in it, especially if they invest in weapons in him. And this is probably the most talent he's seen since Clemson on, on the NFL roster. So we'll see what happens. But I'm leaning towards the two and a half on that game. Alright. Next game. We are talking about let's go to let's go to Tennessee. Tennessee versus the New York football giants. So Tennessee's the home team. Derrick Henry just restructured his deal. Got a big payday. He's back in the fold. They lost AJ Brown, replaced him with Robert Woods. Traylon Burke was drafted. There's a lot of mixed reports about him coming into this. They lost Lan- Harold Landry, their pass rusher, to a season-ending injury. So they're coming in with, you know, different storylines and also the Malik Willis versus Ryan Tannehill situation. So there's a lot of uncertainty with the Titans. They were definitely one of the best teams last year in the regular season, and then they folded like a chair. So, and they're going against the New York Giants, who I would say had a – had a cleansing of their organization by firing Gettleman, getting rid of Joe Judge, and transitioning to the Dayball and Joe Shane era. And I feel like it's definitely amazing that we have competency finally in New York. And so I'm very objective with my picks. So I'm not going to just be like, oh, autoplay Giants or, you know, Oh, I believe in Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones, it's a proving year for him. He got to come in with the dog mindset. This is either going to show if he got that dog in him or not, as people say in uh, Twitter and stuff, which I'll say these days. But he has Wendell Robinson, added Wendell Robinson. Kadarius Tony is battling different injuries, but hopefully he is available. Kenny Galladay looks like absolute shit. That was like the worst receiver contract I've ever seen in my life. Now it's a value bargain. All these receivers making almost like $25 million a year. But still, he has to put up or shut up too. And they score, he scored no touchdowns and you're almost 6'5". Fucking kidding me? Like, that's embarrassing. Like, Megatron literally lived off that shit. And you, you are nowhere near Megatron. They were trying to compare you. You didn't live up to expectations with the Lions. I understand that organization is shit. I mean, it made Barry Sanders retire early. I understand about that. But you're in New York, man. You're in the spotlight. You you chose to come to New York. I get that they might have been the highest bidder. And, you know, the dumbest bidder, I feel like. The highest bidder sometimes the dumbest bidder at times. But you have to put up a shutout, too. Saquon Barkley, you need to step it up. You are You are a top pick, top five pick. You need to fucking run that ball and stop being scared that you're going to get hurt. It's put up a shut-up time for the Giants. And I feel like they – I honestly feel like there's not a homer pick. I feel like they have the edge in this situation versus Tennessee. Tennessee has a lot of turmoil. Don't know who the heck, who's going to be throwing the ball long-term. There's question marks on, you know, the defense and – all that good jazz. So I'm leaning towards the Giants in this situation. I'm gonna take the spread, but let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what type of team comes out for both sides. I mean, either side 
need both sides need this win to put a statement because especially Tennessee because after that embarrassing loss a lot of people are writing them off and don't want to don't even want to bother with them all right next game so Chiefs versus the Cardinals so the Chiefs coming in they lost Tyreek Hill this offseason added Juju Smith-Schuster Sky Moore and they added a couple rookies on the offense Meanwhile, the Cardinals, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games because the PEDs, half their damn roster is not practicing. And, it, I mean, they're going against the Chiefs. And so you got to have your firepower. So Zach, I've seen Zach Ertz. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Rondell Moore pulled up with an injury yesterday, I think. So I don't know if he's going to play. It's a lot of what is with this Cardinals team right now. Versus coming in versus the Chiefs. There's a lot of what it's on both sides, honestly, because we don't know who Patrick Mahomes' number one weapon is going to be. It's going to be MVS, Marcos Valdez Scantling. It's going to be Juju Smith Schuster. It's just going to be Travis Kelsey. Who is going to step up for this offense that is going to put the put them over the top? Is Patrick Mahomes just going to spread the ball? He's not going to have a number one. He's going to have a bunch of A, B, C options. What are, what are the Chiefs' offense? What is the Chiefs' offense going to look like? throughout the season. That's going to be the question. That's going to be the question that the Chiefs have to answer. And so, long story short, I think I'm leaning towards, I'm going to take the home dog in this situation because there's a lot of question marks on both sides, whether it's the injury report or who the hell Patrick Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball to consistency consistently because Juju Smith-Schuster, if he's focused on TikTok, I see he's on TikTok active, doing dances and stuff already, and I'm like, dude, you just got there. You need to focus on ball. And so I would lean towards the Cardinals in this situation. Um, the Cardinals are generally good. Both teams are usually good the first half of the season, especially the Cardinals because they usually fizz out towards the end. And this might be this is a good opportunity to back a team that's usually hot in the beginning. Plus, Kyler Murray has motivation based off of them calling him remedial because he has to have study sessions and shit required study hours like he's a damn college athlete and so i would just i would just lean towards the cardinals in this situation i feel like Kyler murray has i feel like Kyler murray has a lot to prove and will do so all right next game green bay at minnesota so coming into the game aaron Rodgers, he doesn't have his main receiver and Devontae adams anymore he got traded to the las vegas raiders and his number one receiver, Alan Lazard, is battling an injury as we speak. He is not even – he hasn't been practicing this week due to an ankle injury. Uh, so we have a bunch of unknowns coming in at receiver. So they have Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, and uh, Dobbs or something from Nevada versus the aerial attack of Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith Jr., they added Rager. They added, you know, they added a couple pieces on that team for the Minnesota Vikings. Plus, you already have Cook and Madsen as the as a duo. And they're both they're both good running backs. And so either way it goes, the Green Bay Packers defense has got better. They extended Jay Alexander, which is smart. I would definitely do that every day. And so I'm leaning towards a home dog after saying all that. Aaron Rodgers, you know, going on a little shrooms trip, and he's still 
I don't know. I feel like he they don't like I said, they don't have enough weapons to keep up with the Minnesota Vikings. It's high powered offense. They have uh McVeigh disciple as their coach. So they will be really almost like the Rams offense, but I feel like they have more weapons than the Rams offense. So I'm leaning towards the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell season. Let's get it. Mashing that one and a half. Or two if you can get it. All right, let's make sure next game we're going to go to the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Raiders coming in, they added Devontae Adams to that offense that already had Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr. So they also added Josh McDaniels as a head coach. He was he had a coaching job one time with the Denver Broncos didn't really work out, but now he's back again trying to coach and so coach a head coach a team. So he's been offensive coordinator for the Patriots for a long time. So I would lean. Let's see. So Chargers, they have Justin Herbert coming in. He's one of the most hyped up quarterbacks for the year going into this year. Um, you know he has stellar stats. Their their freaking offense. I mean, their head coach is like the fourth down Madden. His his the coach literally plays Madden every damn every damn game. Like they'll go for it on fourth down at their own thirty type shit. So I would lean. And they also have Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. They read up both of them. They have two twenty million dollar receivers. Um, they added. Khalil Mack this offseason, J.C. Jackson, and they also have Derwin James on that defense. So they have a lot of pieces in the, on this team that you could be really excited about. And so coming into this game, after looking at both sides of it, I would lean towards the Raiders because, you know, I think three and a half is a lot, especially for a divisional game. Last year, their game came down to the wire. That game was a classic last year. I don't, like, I don't even know how the hell that game – that game was so drunk. People kept missing field goals, you know, and, and the Raiders ended up solidifying that win towards the end. And, I, I mean, I, I have a lot of faith in this Raiders team. I think Derek Carr is an underrated quarterback. I feel like he's more – he's, he's going to develop especially more with Adams, and that will take him over the top and put him in the upper echelon of a top 10 quarterback, potentially, with Devontae Adams. Because Devontae Adams is a game changer, and he will he will make plays. And I think Derek Carr is going to feed him a lot. So last game we're going to cover is going to be Tampa Bay at Dallas. And so Tampa Bay is coming in. Tom Brady coming off PTO a couple weeks back, 11 days. He's in the tabloids and the sports shows, talking about his relationship, saying that, oh, is, is he going to retire because his wife wanted him to? And all this shit, I don't give a fuck about the rumors. I mean, you can say he say, she say, whatever. I mean, he has a model wife. He's happy. He comes home. He has kids. That's fine. So if you want to take PTO, take your kids for the first week of school, take a vacation, whatever, do what you need to. He's the GOAT. I mean, he won seven Super Bowls. So why should why should he be held to certain standards? 
because he he's the leader of this team. He's the culture setter for the Buccaneers. He's the one that came in first year and won a damn title. Almost had him in the title last year, but came up short at their comeback. An amazing comeback, by the way. So he still got it. Let him do what he got to do. If he needs to take a little vacation, it's almost like a Kyrie situation almost. Like, I feel like PTO Kyrie, PTO Brady, same person. Let Kyrie sit out for a little bit if he wants to. He's still box office. Brady is box office at 45. So, I mean, yeah. And then they also added Julio Jones. Chris Godwin's trying to come back from injury. He's game time decision. So, they'll have updates. Just monitor that. As we, you know, as the game time comes closer. Um, let me see what else. Dallas. So Dallas lost Amari Cooper, their number one receiver, and they upgraded CeeDee Lamb as their number one receiver. Um, they're coming back. Diggs had an amazing year. Michael Parsons. They added more pieces on that defense. Dan Quinn's still there. They still have Kellen Moore. They still have their continuity on their team. And also the Bucks made a coaching change. They moved Bruce Arians into the into the front office. And, you know, now they got a new coach. And so I don't I don't really know. He didn't the the coach has, doesn't really have a track record of winning. And granted it was the Jets, but still. I'm leaning towards Dallas in this situation. Because Dallas, I feel like they have a lot of negative tabloids of saying Zeke finished, Tony Pollard, you know, like their offense should be different. Dalton Schultz is a mainstay in that offense. They franchise tag the tight end. So you see how good Dalton Schultz potential is. And he was like drafted like, you know, almost fourth or fifth tight end in some leagues that I was in. So everybody's high on Dalton Schultz because they know Dallas got to throw. He's a second option in a high-volume offense. And so I feel like the defense is going to be really improved. Demarcus Lawrence got a lot to prove. He signed, he signed a one-year approval deal, basically. And so I feel like, especially with the Tom Brady's offensive line coming in here, basically they kept getting hurt. Everybody, they had bulk injuries at key positions in the interior line. And so if Dallas could figure out a way to, to blitz Michael Barsons up the A or B gap the whole game, Tom Brady might be in trouble because Michael Parsons is different when he's pass rushing. But he's definitely a balanced linebacker to where he could cover. He could do it all. So he's a Swiss Army Knight, like they said. And so I'm leaning towards Dallas in this situation. I feel like two and a half is a lot of points. Some places have a three. But shop around. I would try to get the field goal because I feel like this is going to be a less than a field goal game. It's going to come down to the wire. They definitely, Dallas, you know, almost beat them last year, but came up a little short. But I think it was 31, yeah, it was 31-29. But that was also at the Bucks. So now they're in Arlington. I think that the Cowboys are going to come through. It pains me to say it, but like I said, I'm, I'm not biased. I'm, not, I'm a very objective picker, and I don't bet with my heart. I bet with the, what I feel as far as the stats and look at everything and be really objective and have an objective view of all these games. And so, but yes, that is my biggest takeaway of each game this week. I know there's a game on Monday. We'll cover that game on Sunday after I recap all these games. And I'll give you a best bet for that game. 
Until then, please like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Money Man Pips. And we also have a VIP group. So if you ever want to get into it, just DM Money Man Pips on Instagram and we give you more information about this. So just like yesterday, we cashed on the Bills money line. I gave it to them on September 6th. The game was September 8th. So my members are definitely waking up this morning with some money. So I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Please continue to like, subscribe us on Spotify. And until then, peace out.